What is up everybody? It is JT Sports. And I'm back to you guys with another episode of JT Sports Live. We have a really exciting show today. We're going to be talking about what we can learn from Tom Brady's seventh Super Bowl win. We're going to be talking about can the Tempe Buccaneers possibly repeat as Super Bowl champions next season? Could the Las Vegas Raiders make a mistake trading away quarterback Derek Carr? And lastly, we're going to be talking about the state of the franchise for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, before I get into it, make sure that if you haven't already that you guys go ahead, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel because I upload NFL videos and college football videos daily. Also, make sure to check on the JT Sports Podcast. The JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasts and platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you go ahead and get your podcasts from. If you guys like to listen to the audio version of the video, such as this live stream, once this live stream is done, it will be uploaded and available on all of the podcasts and platforms for those of you guys who want to go ahead and check it out. So, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday night in Super Bowl 55 and Tampa Bay. And I was watching the Super Bowl with a couple of my college roommates and friends. For those of you guys who don't know, I have started my first semester of college this spring term. And a lot of people that I was watching the game with were a little bit surprised at the fact that Tampa Bay was able to beat Kansas City so convincingly. 31-9. Now, remind you that Kansas City only scored nine points in that game. I can't remember the last time Kansas City has scored less than 20 points in a very long time. I think you have to go back to what? I can't even remember the last time I remember Kansas City scoring less than 20 points in a football game ever since Patrick Mahomes took over as the starting quarterback in Kansas City. And Tampa Bay just had a complete, all-around, incredible game plan. I mean, listen, I told everybody in my Super Bowl preview and prediction video that I was going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And everybody was calling me a Kansas City hater. Everybody was saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. And I told people, I said that Tampa Bay was going to win because, first of all, you look at Kansas City's offensive line. They'd had pretty much a whole entire offensive line full of nothing but backups. And you look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. When you look at Shaq Barrett and Donovan Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. So I figured that Kansas City's offensive line was going to have a pretty long afternoon trying to defend the front seven in the defensive line that Tampa Bay possessed with the backup offensive line. And I understand Patrick Mahomes is an incredible talent at the quarterback position. I don't feel like the loss in the Super Bowl was necessarily completely on him. I felt like he played the best that he could. But I told everybody. I did not feel like Tampa Bay was going to lose given the situation that Kansas City was dealing with having nothing but backups on the offensive line. So when we talk about that Super Bowl, we have to talk about Tom Brady. What can we learn from Tom Brady's seven Super Bowl win? Okay, now listen. Tom Brady had an incredible Super Bowl performance last night. 21-29. Three touchdowns, no turnovers, 201 passing yards. It was an incredible game from Tom Brady. But we can't give Tom Brady all of the credit. We have to give the credit to the coaching staff, Bruce Arians, Brian Lefwich, 
Todd Bowles for assembling great game plans on the offense side of the football and the defense side of the football. We got to give the defense a lot of credit for slowing down Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. But what we can learn from Tom Brady with his seventh Lombardi trophy is that Tom Brady, if it hasn't been confirmed already, he is the greatest football player of all time. And... Nobody nobody really denied that heading into the Super Bowl. We already knew that Tom Brady was the GOAT. But just in case you needed some extra emphasis, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. If you don't consider Tom Brady the greatest of all time, then, well, my friend, you're just ignorant or you're just a hater. So when you think about Tom Brady, one thing that I have admired about Tom Brady and the biggest lesson that I've learned from Tom Brady over the years is that It doesn't matter how successful you become in life. You're always going to have doubters. Tom Brady has been doubted his whole entire career. Going into the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a three-point underdog heading into this game. Okay? And Tom Brady was able to prove the doubters wrong. But not just this Super Bowl was Tom Brady able to prove the doubters wrong. This whole entire season, Tom Brady had to prove critics and doubters wrong. Because remember... When Tom Brady left New England in free agency, he was essentially doubted by the Patriots organization. Bill Belichick didn't feel like Tom Brady was worth being paid the amount that he wanted. And he didn't feel like he needed Tom Brady to continue to be successful. So he basically said, Tom, I love you. We appreciate what you've done for this organization, this franchise. But we're going to let you walk. Because we feel like we can do better. So Tom Brady enters free agency. And the two teams that have the most interest in Tom Brady in the offseason last year's free agency were the L.A. Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now Tom Brady knows that at this point in his career that he can't do it all by himself. He is going to need a lot more help than what he had when he was playing for the Patriots. So he goes to Tampa Bay. With one of the best wide receiving cores in the NFL, you got Chris Godwin, you got Mike Evans, you got Rock and Towsky tight end, you got Cameron Braid, you got a really good group of halfbacks, and you have Bruce Aarons as your coach. So what was the narrative before the season began? Because remember, Tampa Bay and Kansas City was my preseason Super Bowl prediction. Well, everybody agreed that Kansas City was going to make it to the Super Bowl, that they were going to win the AFC. But a lot of people disagreed with my notion that Tampa Bay was going to represent the NFC Conference and the Super Bowl. Everybody was saying, JT, you're overrating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's washed up. You saw he did with New England. He's not the same quarterback. It is going to work out in Tampa Bay. Well, I told everybody. I said, watch. See what happens. There's no way you're going to give Tom Brady... One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, a great supporting cast around him, with a great group of wide receivers, and a really good head coach in Bruce Arians, and tell me that this whole entire experiment was just going to hit the fan. So week one, the Tom Brady haters are at an all-time high because remember, week one, the Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tom Brady had a really bad performance. So then the more Tom Brady haters come from me, they say, looks like you were wrong about Tom Brady all along. You were overrating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, ha, ha, ha. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the middle of the season start to hit their stride. Remember, they blew out the Green Bay Packers. They were in their stride. Then they had some up and down performances. They were really inconsistent. And people were still doubting Tom Brady. 
Then comes the NFL playoffs. So the NFL playoffs kicks off, and there are still a lot of people who continue to doubt Tom Brady. Remember, doubt has been the signature of Tom Brady's career. Tom Brady has been doubted his whole entire career, even before he was drafted, coming out of the University of Michigan in the sixth round, 199th overall by New England. Even when he was winning Super Bowls, people still doubted Tom Brady. So we entered the playoffs this year. And there are a good amount of people out there who believe that Tampa Bay is going to lose in the wild card round to Washington. People felt like Tom Brady was going to struggle against the Washington football team's defense. Well, what happened? I chose Tom Brady. Tom Brady was being doubted. What did Tom Brady do? Well, he leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a win over Washington in the wild card round. So what is the notion next week heading into the divisional matchup against the New Orleans Saints? Well, Tom Brady is not going to be able to get it done against New Orleans because the Buccaneers have played the Saints twice and the games haven't been close. Well, I chose Tom Brady to win that one. What did Tom Brady do? He proved the doubters wrong once again. Leads Tampa Bay to the NFC Championship game to the, against the Green Bay Packers after defeating the New Orleans Saints. So what is the narrative Come the NFC Championship game. Well, Tom Brady wasn't all that great in his last couple of playoff performances this year against Washington and New Orleans. He just did enough to win. Okay. Well, against Green Bay, people still doubt Tom Brady. And what happened? I still chose Tom Brady to help his team get to the Super Bowl. So a lot of people were doubting Tom Brady this year all the way up to the Super Bowl. And people still doubted Tom Brady. And what does Tom Brady do? He proves the doubters wrong once again and leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to their second Super Bowl in franchise history. Tom Brady has made a career of proving doubters wrong ever since he was drafted by the New England Patriots several years ago, or several decades ago, I should say. And the message that we can all learn from Tom Brady is that your doubters are never going to go away. No matter how successful you get in life, no matter how much money you make, no matter how good of a job you have, no matter how good of a citizen you may become in this life, you're always going to have people that doubt you. I remember growing up in elementary, middle school, high school, you know, I was, you know, uh, African-American kid, you know, didn't come from the richest family. And I was a troubled kid. I was always that kid who was always sitting in the back of the class because the teachers didn't want to deal with me because I was always an issue. I was always disturbing the class. I don't feel like I was a bad kid growing up. I feel like I was misunderstood. But this day and age, you know, you have teachers that nobody really wants to deal with the kid who causes a lot of trouble. So I was always the kid that teachers always felt like, I was never really going to live up to my potential. I was always known as being really smart. Teachers always said that about me, but nobody really gave me a chance all that much to succeed in life because everybody felt like I was just going to become another statistic. Everybody felt like I was just going to be another African-American kid who wasn't going to amount to anything because I wasn't going to be able to change my life around. And I was going to end up, you know, either dead or in jail by the age of 18 or 20. And that was kind of narrative about me all throughout elementary, all throughout middle school, all throughout high school. I've always had teachers tag me with this stigma, always doubting me. Like, I remember when I first started high school, right? 
So I first started high school my freshman year and I had all intensive classes. Now, I was really disrespected when I looked at my schedule and I saw the fact that I had nothing but intensive classes because I had a four of my FCAT. I passed my Algebra 1 math class in eighth grade. So I really didn't understand why I was in those intensive classes. So I went up to my guidance counselor to get my schedule changed. He didn't want to do it. Okay, he didn't have faith in me. He doubted me. He doubted my ability to handle those classes. He said, are you sure you're going to be able to handle those classes? I said, yeah. So he says that for me to get my schedule changed, I have to go to the principal and I have to go through him. and He has to approve the schedule change. So the principal has faith in me. He has confidence in me. He understands that I'm a troubled kid, but he understands that I like to challenge myself. So I get these honors classes, right? And all of my teachers say this every single year. They said when they first looked at me and they first looked at how I acted and how I talked, they didn't believe that I deserved to be in those classes. Because nobody wants to put a kid like me in honors classes or do enrollment classes with other kids because they kind of want to separate the kids like me from, you know, the do enrollment kids because maybe they feel like I could have been a bad influence or whatnot. So teachers doubted me. They didn't think I was all that smart. All they saw was the fact that I had great test scores. But if it wasn't for my great test scores, I never really would have had a chance. So I remember... This very year, my freshman year of high school, we had to take something called a mock EOC. Basically, what the mock EOC was is basically the high school version of a midterm exam for biology. Well, I Christmas treated because he said it didn't matter. So if it didn't matter, why would I need to put my all in it just so you can know where I'm at? So I Christmas treated biology mock EOC. He looked at the scores and I had the lowest score out of everybody in the class. And he came up to me and said that, you know, JT didn't do so well. And I said, I didn't try. And he said, you're not going to pass the OC. And I said, how much you want to bet I pass the OC? Because you see, he doubted me, literally. My biology teacher my freshman year came up to me and said that I was not going to pass the class and that I was going to fail the OC. My biology teacher, right? So we made a deal. I told him that if I pass biology EOC, that he has to give me a passing grade in the class. And on top of that, he has to let me come during the summer and eat pizza and blast music in his classroom. So here we are. The OC comes around. I take the OC. It was really easy to me, right? So then the EOC scores come out like a couple of months later. And I had one of the highest scores in the district. I was proficient on pretty much 88% of the topics. And on top of that, I proved them wrong. Then, you know, I emailed him as soon as I got my score and told him, I said, you know, you were wrong. You said that I wasn't going to pass the OC. And guess what he said? He gives you the old cliche, all oh, JT, I was just using that to make you better, just to make you strive harder and things like that. All that necessary bull crap. I'm not done. I knew that he didn't believe that I was going to pass that mock OC. And rightfully so, I didn't study, I didn't put no time in. But one thing about me is that I knew my self-worth. I knew how smart I was. I knew what I was capable of. And that is Tom Brady. Despite being doubted so much in life and so much throughout his NFL career, he knew what he was. He knew what he was capable of. You know what they say, you can only control what you can't control. And that's what Tom Brady did. He couldn't control 
what other people thought about him. He couldn't control the doubters. Only thing he could do was go on the field and play to the best of his ability. And you look at Tom Brady all these years, even when he was winning Super Bowls, people were still down in Tom Brady. Remember 2014, 2015, we have the infamous Cliff Theory. Remember that? Remember when Matt Kellerman went on first take and said that Tom Brady is going to fall off the cliff and that Tom Brady is going to slowly decline. Remember that? Well, ever since the infamous Cliff Theory by Mets Kellerman, Tom Brady has beaten the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. Remember, he was out in that Super Bowl as well when pretty much everybody was turning off the TV, assuming that Atlanta had the game in the back. I remember I went to sleep because I thought the game was over. Then next thing you know, I wake up and Tom Brady's hoisting up the Lombardi Trophy. And I'm watching the highlights of how Atlanta had one of the worst Super Bowl collapses in history. Then what happens after that? Okay, the following year after that, they lose the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. And a lot of people are saying that Tom Brady is declining, that the New England Patriots will never, ever make it to the Super Bowl once they lost to Nick Foles and company with the Philadelphia Eagles. So what happens the year after they lose to Philadelphia? People doubt New England. People say that the dynasty is over. And they go and they defeat the L.A. Rams in the Super Bowl and hold the L.A. Rams to less than 10 points. So you look at that and you look at, you know, the narrative that people have always had for Tom Brady. The fact that, you know, he is going to decline sooner rather than later. And even then, if you want to go back even further, remember when Tom Brady tore his ACL? People doubted Tom Brady then. People doubted that Tom Brady would be able to be the same quarterback that he was before his ACL injury. He comes back. He wins comeback player of the year. He goes on after that a couple of years later to win a couple more Super Bowls. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. And even then, go back all the way back to draft day. Tom Brady was a six-round pick, 199th overall. People say he was too skinny. He was too scrawny. He didn't have the body type of an NFL quarterback. He didn't have a great arm. He wasn't athletic. He ran like a, what, a five-point-something in a 40-yard dash, one of the slowest 40 times in NFL history. A guy who people doubted before he even had a chance to enter the NFL draft at Michigan. People doubted his ability to become the starting quarterback at Michigan. And what happens, all Tom Brady has done throughout his career is proved out is wrong. And what we can learn from Tom Brady is that it doesn't matter how low you may be in life or how high and successful you may be in life. You're always going to have doubters. You're always going to have people that doubt you no matter what you do in life. And it's not about, you know, the doubters. It's about what you do to prove the doubters wrong. You can either prove the doubters right or you can prove the doubters wrong. And for a lot of people... A lot of people just don't have the mental fortitude like Tom Brady. You see, let me give you guys a good example. Everybody listens to the media. You have to be really naive to think that these professional athletes don't read their Instagram comments and that they don't listen to what these journalists and analysts are saying on them about, you know, on Fox Sports and ESPN and on the big networks. These athletes have ears. They know what's being said about them. But you have guys like... Tom Brady, who don't let the criticism get to him, and you have guys like Kevin Durant, who can't handle the criticism, who care too much about what other people think about them. Kevin Durant got exposed for having a burner account. So you look at Tom Brady, 
What you can learn from Tom Brady is that you're always going to have doubters, no matter how successful you are in life or how low that you may be in life. People are always going to doubt you. You can either prove them wrong or you can prove them right. And even when you do, you're still going to have doubters. I mean, Steve, Steve Jobs had doubters, okay? Bill Gates has doubters. Mark Zuckerberg has doubters. Every day there's people saying that Facebook is going to fall off. Every day. And all Mark Zuckerberg does is keep doing him, controlling what he can control, and prove the doubters wrong. And Facebook is still going strong right now along with Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. So, I mean, you look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is, you know, probably one of the more motivational figures in America. If you had to write an autobiography about Tom Brady, you probably would tear up at the end. Because I've never seen somebody who has been doubted so much and yet been able to consistently prove the doubters wrong time in and time out. So for me, I just really wanted to get that out of my head because that has really been on my mind for over the last couple of months. Like I've been thinking about this segment for a very long time about how often Tom Brady has been doubted throughout his career and how often Tom Brady has proved the haters wrong. Now, before I get into my next segment. Make sure that if you guys haven't already, that you guys go ahead, like the video if you haven't already, share the video on your social media pages and platforms with your friends, family, acquaintances, and follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. The link to those are down in the description down below. Also, make sure to check out the JT Sports podcast. If you guys want to listen to the audio version of this, it's available on Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. The link to the podcast are also down in the description down below. Or you can go to whichever podcasting platform you perform and type in the JT Sport Sports Podcast, excuse me. Okay. So now that the Tim Bay Buccaneers are your 2020-2021 Super Bowl champions, everybody, of course, is going to ask the question, will the Buccaneers be able to repeat as Super Bowl champions next season. Now, a good friend of mine had asked me this question, and I said, you know what? I think that the Tempe Buccaneers have a really good chance to repeat, make it to the Super Bowl next year, and win the Super Bowl again. Because you guys got to understand something, okay? When you look at the AFC, I, I don't think that Kansas City is going to dominate the AFC like a lot of people were assuming last year. Remember, there are a lot of people who are always quick to hop on the bandwagon. Everybody was quick after Kansas City defeated the 49ers last year to call the Kansas City Chiefs the next dynasty because of how great Patrick Mahomes is. So I told everybody, I said, listen, the Chiefs are not going to be the next dynasty. Are they going to be a really good franchise for the next decade or so? Yes, they are. Are they going to win multiple Super Bowls? Yes, they are. But they're not going to dominate the NFL the way you think that they will just because they have one player named Patrick Mahomes. This isn't basketball when one player can just dictate the whole entire outcome. This is a team sport. And you look at Kansas City, I don't think that the AFC is going to be as easy as it has been for Kansas City over the last three years. Okay, over the last three years, Kansas City has been to the AFC Championship. They had to face New England. Okay, they beat New England. They finally got New England out of the way. You beat Buffalo this year, but the AFC is getting really tough. You have Buffalo. I really like Buffalo a lot. 
Okay, I like the Chargers. I think if the Chargers' new coach is as good as what he should be, the Chargers could be really good as well, especially when you look at how much talent they have on that defense, how talented Justin Herbert is. As long as they can improve the off the line, I think the Chargers could be a threat. Okay, you got Cleveland who could be a threat. You got Baltimore who could be a threat. Like, the AFC is going to be a lot tougher over the next coming years than what it has been for Kansas City over the last couple of seasons. But you look at the NFC. The NFC, in my opinion, is kind of getting weaker. Okay, the teams who we consider to be Super Bowl contenders year in and year out are starting to kind of decline. Like New Orleans, for example. New Orleans and Seattle. So every year people hype up Seattle because they have Russell Wilson, this great quarterback. And yet they never get further than the divisional round in the playoffs. Okay, so then on top of that you have New Orleans. New Orleans gets to the playoffs, but they can never get to the big game. Okay, they always find some way to fall apart. Remember the Minnesota Miracle? Remember the game against Philadelphia? Remember the game against the LA Rams when they infamous had that pass interference call that ended up being a no call? The Saints just find ways to lose in the playoffs. On top of that, they are, what, negative $70 million in cap space? So I think that the NFC is going to come down to three teams. You're still going to have Green Bay. They're still going to be competitive. You're still going to have Tampa Bay there. But a team that I feel is going to be really competitive next year and is going to be a dark horse Super Bowl contender is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. With Matthew Stafford, I think that if I had to make a way too early NFC championship game prediction for 2022 next year, it would be the Rams versus the Buccaneers. But you look at the NFC... The Buccaneers can most definitely repeat as Super Bowl champions next year. Because the NFC, you know, Tampa Bay, if they're able to keep their same team, maybe they may have a couple of guys hanging up like Ndonkin Sue. He may opt to retire. Antonio Brown may not come back again. But at the end of the day, I still think that as long as Tom Brady stays serviceable and that he can, you know, still produce at an average to above average level, I think Tampa Bay is good enough to once again win another Super Bowl because it's not all about the quarterback. All you need is a good team around you and a good supporting cast, and that's what Tampa Bay has. And on top of that, Tampa Bay has a lot of youth on their side. Like, you look at Tampa Bay's roster, they have a lot of players under the age of 30. You have Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, you have Jamal Dean, you have Antoine Winfield, you have Devin White, you have Levante David, you have Shaq Barrett, you have the majority of your defense is really young. On top of that, yeah, you have a couple of veterans on the offensive side of the football, but this is still a fairly young team. If you take Tom Brady out of the equation and Antonio Brown and Gronk, Tampa Bay is still a very young team. So Tampa Bay, as long as Tom Brady stays at least average, they're always going to be in the Super Bowl conversation for the next couple of years. Even when Tom Brady hangs it up, if they're able to find his proper successor, they're still going to be a threat to win the Super Bowl year in and year out. So can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers possibly repeat as Super Bowl champions? Yes, they can. But the big question is, okay, the doubters. Once again, 
how good is Tom Brady going to be? Is Tom Brady going to fall off? Because I feel like at this point, people just assume that Tom Brady is going to fall off just because he's 40-something years old. All people are going to be like, well, Tom Brady's getting this years old, or he's 40-something years old. He's getting older, JT. He's going to break down eventually. What are you, a doctor? You can't predict when the quarterback is going to break down. It just happens. Look at Peyton Manning. Nobody expected Peyton Manning to just completely just fall apart 2015, Okay. It looked like Peyton Manning was still on top of his game. Like, when father time hits you, you you can't predict when you're going to fall off. It just happens that you can't control. So when Tom Brady falls off, it just happens. You just can't really predict it. So for Tampa Bay, I most definitely think that Tampa Bay has a really great chance to repeat as Super Bowl champions next year. So... I'm looking at the live chat right now. Somebody said that Shaq Baird is going to be a free agent, which is true. I think that Temple Bay possibly will retain Shaq Barrett. I don't think they're going to let him walk away. Somebody said Brady has at least two solid good years ahead of him. Bucks resign them. They're getting rid of Godwin. The Bucks aren't going to get rid of Chris Godwin just yet. No reason to. And Chris Godwin is a really big part of the team. But while we're on the topic of quarterbacks... Let's talk about Derek Carr. So, there are rumors circulating around that the Las Vegas Raiders could potentially trade away Derek Carr. Now, I just read a rumor before I started live streaming that said that Derek Carr is not available in trade. The Raiders are not interested in trading their starting quarterback, but will listen to offers from Mark Mariota. Now, obviously, we know that there are reports that come out all the time that say that people aren't going to get traded. There was reports coming out there that say Matthew Stafford wasn't going to get traded, even though it came out and it was known publicly that he was going to get traded. So, you never really know. In the offseason, anything can happen. But really, to be honest, Derek Carr getting traded away from the Las Vegas Raiders is not going to make the Raiders any better than what they are now. Okay, like, for example, if the Raiders get Deshaun Watson, cool, Deshaun Watson is an upgrade over Derek Carr. But can Deshaun Watson play corner? Can Deshaun Watson rush the passer? You see, Derek Carr is not the problem. The defenses. The defense for the Raiders has been one of the worst defenses in the NFL for over the past decade. Like, why are the Raiders worried about the quarterback position? They need to be worried about the defense. You see, this is like going to a mechanic saying, hey, I need you to fix my brakes. And instead of fixing the brakes, they fix your headlights or they fix your taillights or they fix your transmission or they fix your windshield wipers. Instead of fixing... You know what you ask them to fix. What is the obvious problems? The brakes, they try to fix something else that doesn't need fixing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Derek Carr is not the problem for the Las Vegas Raiders. And a lot of Raiders fans try to make it seem like they're not making it to the playoffs because of Derek Carr. Derek Carr had one of the best seasons of his career. As a matter of fact, he should have been a candidate for comeback player of the year because he threw for 4,103 pass yards, 27 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Derek Carr can win you games, and he's not going to lose you a lot of games neither because he doesn't turn the football over all that much. Derek Carr is really underrated and really underappreciated. I don't think a lot of Raiders fans really truly appreciate how good of a quarterback Derek Carr is. Now, is Derek Carr one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? No, he's not. But I think you can make the argument to say that Derek Carr is at least a top 12, top 13 quarterback at best. And you can win the Super Bowl with Derek Carr. 
So if quarterback is not the problem, why do you have to constantly try to find the next upgrade when you don't have a defense? If the Raiders went 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine with Deshaun Watson, nobody would say anything about it because of how great of a quarterback Deshaun Watson is. Everybody appreciates, you know, when you have elite talent. But nobody appreciates somebody who isn't, you know, as good as a guy like Deshaun Watson, but comes in and gets the job done. That's what Derek Carr does. Derek Carr produces. He gets the job done. So instead of worrying about the quarterback position, I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden should be worried about that defense that they still cannot figure out a way to get figured out. Derek Carr didn't lose that game against Miami. That defense did. When you look at the majority of the games that the Raiders lost, it was because of their defense. Now give it. Derek Carr is not an elite quarterback. But I promise you, if Derek Carr was to get traded today to a team like New England or Chicago, he would have way more success on those franchises, on those teams that he would with the Las Vegas Raiders, a team with the actual defense. Like, I never under, like, you guys ever wonder something? You guys realize the people who struggle in life? The people who struggle in life are the people who are always trying to replace Things that don't need to be replaced. Instead of, you know, trying to fix, you know, what is actually the problem. So instead of the Las Vegas Raiders trying to fix their defense, they have to try to fix the quarterback position, which doesn't need fixing at all because you can win with Derek Carr. At the end of the day, Derek Carr is not the problem for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash from Raiders fans down in the comment section down below, but deep down in your heart, you know that Derek Carr isn't a problem. Your thing is that there you see Deshaun Watson available for a trade, and you want to say, hey, let's go trade all our assets for Deshaun Watson. So you want to trade for Deshaun Watson. You want to trade away assets that you need. You want to trade away draft picks. You want to trade away players that you need for Deshaun Watson and be an even worse team with Deshaun Watson than what you were in Derek Carr because you give up so many assets that you can't address the defense. So Raiders fans want to just give all their chips in for Deshaun Watson. They want to give them all the draft picks they want instead of using those draft picks to continue to improve a struggling defense that has been struggling for, the, for over a decade or so. And I'm not making that up. The Raiders have had, you know, bottom or near bottom tier defenses for since 2010. I can't even remember the last time the Las Vegas Raiders had even an average defense at best. So trading away Derek Carr doesn't solve anything. It doesn't make the Las Vegas Raiders better. Because all you're just going to do is trade in all your assets for a better quarterback. And instead of improving, you know, what needs to be improved, the defense, you're going to end up having an even worse team. It doesn't matter if you can score a lot of points. If you don't have a defense that can stop anybody. So Derek Carr is not the problem. And I don't care how much negativity I get from Raiders fans and how much backlash I get from Raiders fans. You guys know that Derek Carr is a good enough quarterback to win the Super Bowl. You see, that's what a lot of people fail to realize. Everybody is trying to get the new toy. Like, this is what Deshaun Watson is. Deshaun Watson is the Lamborghini that everybody wants to get. 
You know, that's like, you guys ever wonder why you always see people driving around in these nice cars, but they live in terrible houses or they're still living with their parents because they don't try to focus on the things that matters. People try to live outside of their means. So you have people out here buying cars that they don't need when you already have a Toyota Camry that works pretty fine, but instead you have to try to be lavish and you got to try to get the best next thing instead of trying to improve your living situation or trying to improve your financial situation. That's why a lot of people now are, you know, still paying off debts because they always try to get things that they don't need instead of focusing on the things that they do need. God doesn't give you what you want. God gives you what you need. And what the Las Vegas Raiders need is a defense, not what they want, a better quarterback. So Derek Carr, in my opinion, being traded away by the Las Vegas Raiders would be a huge mistake. And I don't think that him being traded away would... Make the Raiders a better team than what they already are. So before we get into the last topic, we got a super chat, a $5 super chat for my guy, Martin. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name. Oruyo, he says, I love your podcast, JT. Keep it up and good luck with all your sports coverage. I appreciate the $5 super chat, man. Thank you, and I appreciate the donation. So before we get into the last topic... Make sure that if you guys haven't already, that you guys go ahead, hit that like button, like the live stream. Make sure that you guys follow me on my social media platforms on Instagram and Twitter. It's down in the comment section down below. It is JT Sports underscore. Also, make sure to be able to check out the JT Sports podcast, which is also linked down in the description down below. This um, live stream will be available on audio platforms, on all podcasts and platforms. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports podcast, leave a five-star review. And you should be able to listen to the podcast. So the last thing that we need to talk about is the state of the franchise for the Los Angeles Rams. So the Los Angeles Rams finished this past NFL season with a 10-6 record. They went to the playoffs. They defeated the Seattle Seahawks in the wildcard round. And they were defeated 32-18 by the Green Bay Packers in the division round of this year's playoffs. Now, hear me out. I think that the L.A. Rams have a Super Bowl window right now with Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford is a huge upgrade over Jared Goff. And there are a lot of people out there who don't think Matthew Stafford is that good of a quarterback. Let me tell you guys something. Matthew Stafford may be the most unfairly criticized quarterback in NFL history. Matthew Stafford gets all the blame for Detroit's failure Despite being on one of the worst-ran organizations in the history of the NFL, Matthew Stafford may be one of the greatest Hall of Fame talents wasted in the history of the NFL. And think about it. Think about all of the Hall of Fame talents that the Detroit Lions have wasted in the past, like Calvin Johnson, for example, Barry Sanders. The Detroit Lions have wasted careers of some really good players. Okay, so you look at Matthew Stafford now going to the L.A. Rams... He's going to have everything that he ever wanted with the Rams that he never had in Detroit. One thing that he never had in Detroit that is really important to how good a quarterback is or how much postseason success a quarterback has is the head coach. If you don't have a good head coach, you're not going far in the playoffs. Look at Bill O'Brien with the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien at best at his peak was an above average head coach, but he never won the divisional round. The best coach that Matthew Stafford ever had during his tenure in Detroit 
was Matthew was um Jim Caldwell. And Jim Caldwell, you know, his best was, you know, making it to the divisional round, I think. That was it. Even then, Detroit has never really had a lot of postseason success in the playoffs because they never really had a great head coach. On top of that, they never gave Matthew Stafford a run game. Matthew Stafford has played in a lot of games for Detroit, and he's only had a run game or a 100-yard rusher a handful of times out of his long tenure career with the Detroit Lions. So now he's going to be playing for the LA Rams with one of the best head coaches in the NFL, Sean McVay, who is an offensive mastermind. He's going to have a great offensive line. He's going to have a good run game led by Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers. He's going to have a good group of wide receivers. You're going to have Cooper Cup. You're going to have Robert Woods. You're going to have Van Jefferson, who I believe Van Jefferson could have a breakout season in 2021 for the Rams. You have what should be a really good defense. My question is, how good would the Rams defense be without defensive coordinator Brandon Staley? Because Brandon Staley, remember, he took the head coaching job with the Los Angeles Chargers. So... If the Rams' defense can just be, you know, a third of what they were this past year, the Rams are going to be Super Bowl contenders. And in in my opinion, if I had to make a way too early Super Bowl prediction right now, the Rams would be my pick to make it to the Super Bowl and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl next year in 2022 in Super Bowl 56. Because I really feel like Jared Goff held back the LA Rams this year. And I know football is a team game. It is the ultimate team sport, and you just can't single out one player. And I understand that. But you can have winklings on the team. You can have players that can hold you back for reaching your potential. And Jared Goff was just way too inconsistent. Matthew Stafford isn't going to have any Jared Goff-like performances when he just completely craps the bid like how Jared Goff did against the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. There are the L.A. Rams, if we're being honest, Really should have been 13-3 and this past year, not 10-6. When Jared Goff played at least average, the Rams won. When he played below average, the Rams lost. So you look at Matthew Stafford on the LA Rams, he may be the biggest acquisition that the Rams have had in a very long time. Now, yeah, you have to give up a lot of your future assets to get a guy like Matthew Stafford. You may have given up a little bit too much. But if you're the LA Rams, you don't really care about the future. You care about now. You care about trying to win Super Bowls. Like, there is more than one way to build a great franchise. And the Rams build their franchise by being aggressive in free agency and making trades. And in all honesty, I really agree with what the Rams do. Why would you why would you keep a first round pick when you don't really know how good his career is going to turn out? He could either be really good or he could be a bust. I'd rather use that pick and trade it for a guy with like Jalen Ramsey that I know I'm going to be getting. I know when the Rams traded that first round pick for Jalen Ramsey in that trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they knew that they were getting an all pro caliber corner. They knew that they were getting one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL instead of, you know, drafting the cornerback and maybe he ends up being really good, ends up being a bust. So for the Rams, I like the way they run their franchise. They are super aggressive and they don't really care all that much about the future. They care about trying to assemble the best team possible to win the Super Bowl. So for the Los Angeles Rams right now, I think that they are my favorite to win the Super Bowl next year behind the Tim Bay Buccaneers.
I really like the LA Rams a lot. You have the reigning defensive player of the year and Aaron Donald. Okay. You have a really good defensive line. You have a really good secondary, even though you're going to have to be able to work out a couple of deals with a couple of guys in that secondary. You already got Jalen Ramsey. Okay, now you're going to have to work out something with Darius Williams because I believe that Darius Williams, who had four interceptions this year and 14 pass deflections, is a restricted free agent. You also have free agent cornerback Troy Hill, who is going to be a free agent this offseason. He had two pick sixes this year on three interceptions. And you have outside linebacker Linda Floyd, who is coming off a career season with 10 and a half sacks. But really, in all honesty, I think that a lot of you guys are really sleeping on the LA Rams. And if you are an LA Rams fan right now, you have to be really, really optimistic about the direction that this franchise is heading because you are still a premier Super Bowl contender. And I think, as a matter of fact, the Rams have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl this year or next season than the Green Bay Packers do. Because the Green Bay Packers, you know, are way too conservative for me. To be a Super Bowl team, you have to take risks sometimes. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers took a risk. They signed Tom Brady. Tom Brady, for all we know, could have declined. The Denver Broncos took a risk when they signed Peyton Manning. To be a Super Bowl team, you have to take risks sometimes. The Patriots have taken risks on several players like Randy Moss, for example. Randy Moss was a troubled, high-maintenance player. The Patriots traded for him or they acquired Randy Moss. And Randy Moss ended up being a really big part in the Patriots' success. Even though they lost the Super Bowl and he wasn't able to catch the Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, he was still a really big part in the New England Patriots' Super Bowl runs. So every Super Bowl team has to, you know, take some chances. They have to take some risks. Now, the LA Rams are in a really competitive division. They may be in the toughest division in all of football. Because you got them, you got Seattle, you got the 49ers, you got Arizona, you have three other teams in your division who are playoff teams, or if you're in Arizona's case, borderline playoff teams. And you look at the quarterback hierarchy in that division, okay, you got Russell Wilson, you got Matthew Stafford. You have essentially either the third or second best quarterback in your division, depending on how you look at Kyler Murray. So you look at the Rams right now, I think the Rams, if they're able to keep, you know, maybe Leonard Floyd or maybe find a way to keep Darius Williams, since he is a restricted free agent, they have a really high possibility to keep him. But they're able to keep Leonard Williams, well, Leonard Floyd and Darius Williams. That's also going to help out that defense as well. Now, I wonder how that defense is going to look this year. But, I mean, I still think that defense should still be pretty good. So, for the Rams, you have an offensive guru in Sean McVay. He is going to get the most out of Matthew Stafford. We may see, you know, some potential in Matthew Stafford that has yet to be unleashed yet. Now, Matthew Stafford, a lot of people think Matthew Stafford has hit his ceiling, which is understandable. But now with an offensive guru and Sean McVay, I think we're going to see Matthew Stafford have some of the best careers in his NFL career that we haven't seen since he was being held back by the Detroit Lions. You see, you can't blame a quarterback for a team not making it to the playoffs. The teams that make it to the playoffs are the teams that have good head coaches and are well-ran organizations. The Detroit Lions have been one of the worst-ran organizations, not only in the NFL, but in sports in general. So for the state of franchise for the LA Rams, I think right now they have entered their Super Bowl window or re-entered their Super Bowl window now that they got rid of Jared Goff, who's holding the team back. And I expect the LA Rams to be a Super Bowl contender come next year.
So this is it for this episode of JT Sports Live. Make sure that if you guys enjoyed that, you guys make sure that you guys share the live stream, like the video, and also make sure to follow me on my social media platforms, my Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. The link to those are down in the description down below. And I appreciate you guys for dropping by. I am going to be live streaming again on Wednesday afternoon, same time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. I appreciate you guys for spending the last, you know, 48 minutes of your life listening to me talk about sports. And make sure that you guys 